Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Rochelle B. Weinstein is back on Moms No Time to Read Books. This is another appearance for her. Rochelle and I have become good friends. I adore her. She is the author of What You Do to Me, a novel. And this one was hosted by, guest hosted, and this one was guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of Everyone But Myself, forthcoming from Zibby Books, a memoir. Rochelle is the USA Today and Amazon best-selling author of What You Do to Me, When We Let Go, This Is Not How It Ends, Somebody's Daughter, Where We Fall, The Morning After, and What We Leave Behind. Rochelle spent her early years always with a book in hand, raised by the likes of Sidney Sheldon and Judy Bloom. A former entertainment industry executive, she splits her time between sunny South Florida and the mountains of North Carolina. When she's not writing, 
Rochelle can be found sharing monthly book recommendations at Women Writers, Women's Books, teaching workshops at Nova Southeastern University, hiking, reading, and finding the world's best nachos. She is currently working on her eighth novel. Rochelle, welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited you're here, and I'm so happy that I get to be the one to interview you today. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Julie, and thank you to Zibby for having me. I just love you guys, and I love what you're doing over there. Oh, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. It's such a fun community. So we are here today to talk about what you do to me, which is your latest book. It is your seventh or eighth. I feel like I had this in my mind and then I forgot. I'm laughing because I'm getting confused. It's my seventh. (laughs) I literally just finished writing my eighth book yesterday. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. It's like a collision of uh, books right now. That's such a weird thing that I never appreciated before I got into the author world, how you're working on your next project by the time the project comes out. I just, keeping it straight, is that ever challenging for you to keep straight what you're talking about? Oh, it's great fun when you're in an interview and you're talking about a book that should be on the forefront of your mind and you're talking about, you get you get the characters' names all wrong because you're so enmeshed in the new book. You're like, wait a minute, who's the love interest? It's great oh, that's fun. That's amazing. What a joy. What an adventure, right? Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to talk about this book. Will you give us first kind of the brief overview because I'm terrible at summarizing books. And before we do that, I want to say this cover is amazing. I think that they did such a good job and there's something of a mixtape that just totally pegs a certain time. Well, it conjures up a certain memory, yes. a certain type of a nostalgia for yes. us for us older women, not you. <laughs> oh, I'm getting there. So, like every author, we all we all suck at, at, at the synopsis <laughs> of our book. So, here goes. So, what you do to me was was inspired by the song "Hey There, Delilah," which I'll get to. Yes, and it is the the journey of Rolling Stone reporter as she's on the hunt to find the muse behind the title song, which is "What You Do to Me," which is a line right out of "Hey There, Delilah." So this journey, follow you know, she, we follow her journey to find the muse, and there's it's a dual timeline, and we see Cecilia and her childhood and her history and how it influences her choices and her grit and her drive. But while she's also introducing us to Sarah and Eddie, who are the love interests, and I think ultimately for Cecilia to bring these two together is their happy ending echoes her her hopeful happy ending. Yes. Ooh, very good job. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> no, it's so challenging to do. And um, I will say too, that I think it's far more challenging for fiction than it is for nonfiction, at least in yes. my mind. Because sure. I tell the, I'm an elementary school librarian and I tell the kids all the time that there's what, you have is the story of the book, but then there's what mm-hmm. the book's about. And sure, the book is always about so many more things. I mean, this book is about love and longing and nostalgia and, you know, the ways that our parents fail and, you know, forgiveness, just all these wonderful topics in here. So, so I can you just it. do the synopsis for me? How about you do the synopsis? For me? I'll do your book. You do mine. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. We can trade these. We'll do it from now on. This is we should have thought of this. It's true. It's hard to summarize your own work, especially since you're so close to it. Okay, so tell us. So, hey there, Delilah. 
How did you decide on kind of, because that song really is the beginning of all of the book. So tell me about how you decided it and then actually involving Tom from the Plain White Tees. Tell me a little bit about how that all went down. I truly wanted to write something different, like a little bit of a departure from my previous books Mm -hmm. and, you know, a little bit maybe more high concept and a little more edgy. And I've always loved the song, Hey There, Delilah. And I I feel like it's, I mean, every, every word in which I described it in the book was how I felt about it. This like sultry tune. It was just like, you just feel, you know, his emotions and his affections for this woman. So of course being, you know, a curious writer, I went and researched, you know, what the the real story was behind the song. And I don't know um, if you know, but there is a real Delilah. She went to Columbia. She was a track runner. And he and, and Tom met her in a bar in Chicago. And my for, forgive me if I'm getting any of this wrong. So I, you know. It's all lining up for me. And yeah. so really that's all that matters, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares about so, veracity? So, yeah, exactly. So Tom met Delilah at a bar. She had a boyfriend at the time. And okay. He may have said at some point, I'm going to write you a song. And he ended up writing her a song. And yeah, she had a boyfriend. And listen, I initially had some pushback from, you know, agents and editors about this particular book because they're like, oh, well, you know, he was a stalker and how inappropriate to write a song for somebody that has a, a girlfriend. Yeah, but I still thought it was the most romantic gesture that anybody could do. Like, honestly, like if 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 someone wrote me a song, I just would be bowled over and just appreciative and whatnot. And mind you, she did end up going to the Grammys with him. So it couldn't have been that uncomfortable. I think that was a really cool piece to it. Absolutely. That's a very good selling point. So Exactly. So they didn't end up together. And I, of course, was disappointed about that. And I said, hmm, what would happen if I reimagined this story with wholly different characters, a wholly different time period? You know, I stuck A over here, B over here, C over here. And I just, you know, I, I worked with the players and made a completely different ending. And you know, could I get the song, you know, lyric approval is a nightmare in our business. And a lot of the publishing houses don't want to touch it, which I understand. But I used to work in the music business and my friend Doug Cohn, who I can't say enough about, big plug for Doug. He put me in touch with Tom. And listen, I emailed him and I texted him probably a million times with no response. And I was like, oh my God, we're getting down to the wire and the publishing house, we're going to edit. Like, do I have to change the title of the book? Do I have to change, you know, whole passages of the book? And then Tom, all of a sudden, I, I still have the text. I have pictures of the text. He wrote me and he said, hey, I'm so sorry to keep you, you know, you know to delay you. He's like, can you talk later today? And I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> Can you talk to later today? Nah, I'm getting my hair done. Can't do it. Sorry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> walking the dogs. But I was actually walking my dogs when we spoke and he was so warm and wonderful and, and just so appreciative and so humbled. And, you know, I don't want to say too much about the forward, but well, first of all, he gave us, you know, he gave us the approval for the lyrics and we went through Warner Chapel and, we really, I really wanted him to write a forward. So what was so beautiful about the forward is here we all look at, you know, Tom wrote this song. He's looking at us like authors, like we wrote this book. And he was just so humbled by the fact that that song had enough meaning to somebody to base an entire book upon it. 
And I think that really showed through in his, in his forward. And he was just great. And, you know, now I've been stalking him and, you know, you know, I make little jokes to him, like, you know, I'm going to fly you down to the launch event. You better come. (laughs) I am your new stalker. (laughs) I'm, I'm your stalker. I'm only half kidding, but don't worry. I'm not dangerous. I'm just fun. Exactly. And I'm not going to write a song about you. Don't worry. (laughs) But he's been great. He's been great. Oh, the forward is one of my favorite parts of this book too, because to your point, I don't think, I don't think I ever appreciated years ago that songwriters really are storytellers. They are. And I don't know if you ever watched Songland. I'm now, I would like to stalk Esther Dean, who's just, she was so fantastic on that show, but they were working on songs and basically you're watching them go through a mini editing process, right? Where they're saying, okay, we need to bring this out and draw this down. And it was so fascinating to me. So I never appreciated that. But also I want to go back to one thing you said, and that was about the lyrics permissions, because I have only dipped my toe in the permission space. And I came home and told my husband one day, like, I'm never quoting anyone ever again. This is- It's a nightmare. It's insane. I had no idea. So that was immediately the first thing I saw when I picked it up. I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these, look at all these song titles. <laughs> and just the research. It is such. Yeah. Tell me how that, so you had support and, but obviously there was a lot of research. I mean, there are things that you moved, but a lot of this is true to the dates when the songs came out and all these things. So how did you manage that? You know what? It was, it was so much fun for me. I, I mean, listen to, Combined music and books for me, having been in the music industry and music has defined me since such a young age and books have defined me for such a young age. It was so fascinating for me to do this research. This was this was as close to a historical fiction writer I'll ever get. <laughs> oh my God, what they do is so incredible. Oh my but- gosh, yes. Yeah, I just, it was so much fun and working with the timeline and the music in the 70s. And I had to go look at the billboard charts. And it just, just even delving into that research was so fascinating and so nostalgic for me. I was literally living, you know, someone said this, this book sounds like the, like the autobiography, the, the, the soundtrack of your life. And it really, you know, I mean, there was a lot of the, the each chapter is a name of a, it's a song with a person's name. And there's a ton out there, but I was very particular about the ones that I picked. And so many of them just elicit so many incredible memories. And I think, and I know we're going off tangent right now, but I love it. The research and all that, it just shows you the absolute power of music Mm -hmm. and, you know, the power to transport and the power to bring you back in time. And, you know, to have a book as a vehicle for that, I just feel like it's a double whammy. Absolutely. It really does present it in a way that I think allows readers to think about their own soundtrack, because that's what I found myself thinking about, or what are the songs? Because some of them are these, and some of them are, you know, just the most random. I feel like when I sit down to make a, you know, now it's a playlist, I'm not making a mixtape. It's just amazing to me to think about all the songs that encompass your life and where they come from. I mean, those discrete moments in time, there's something really special about that. I think also that 
obviously this is a big book community and a reading community. And I think as readers, we want to escape and we want to feel something. And Mm -hmm. we get that from books and also music, the same thing. Sometimes we don't have the words, the phrases or the expressions to share what we're feeling. I know as a child, music and books did that for me. I was able to feel, understand, be transported to a certain place through those vehicles. So it really is incredible, the power of both. You are exactly right. It makes me emotional just thinking about it. What's a song for you that brings comfort? Trick question. Gosh, there's so many. Oh my God. I know that was mean. (laughs) Pick your favorite child. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I know, right? It's funny you say that. Well, no, there's just, there's different songs for different seasons and reasons. But the first thing that came to my mind, I'm laughing is well, there was two things. Okay. And this is going to sound so totally weird, but my son Jordan stumbling in, which is such an old song and it is so totally oh. inappropriate for some weird, wacky reason. I don't know why it is our song. And whenever we hear it, we like take a picture of it, like if it's playing on Sirius or whatnot. We And we just feel connected and it, yes. and it has no significance. And then my other son, Brandon, who will kill me for this, Whenever he, my kids went to a Jewish day school from mommy and me till eighth grade. Okay. And when he comes home or when things are like tense in the house, like he'll start, we have the sonus, you know, the speakers in the house, all yes. of a sudden he'll start playing Matovu, which is this like Jewish song. <laughs> it's in Hebrew. And listen, it's not even like we're the most religious family, okay? That's not like... It's, sure. The point of this and your question, I think, is to show you how mu- that, that music connects. And this, when he plays that song, we all laugh. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be on the phone with some of my author friends and they'll be like, oh my God, is Brandon playing Mato Vu again? And I'm like, <laughs> yep, he is. Like, like, it's just something that connects. And what a gift. Yes. It's so true. There's so much crossover and you do it so well in this book. And I loved reading a little bit about you that you, and you mentioned it earlier that you have a background in music and you worked at The Box, which is by the way, the best title for anything I've ever heard. I was like, that's, that tells you all you need to know, right? So that was sort of your starting point. And also you, so you not only incorporate that, but there's also a lot of your journalism angle there, which I really enjoyed. Was it fun to kind of bring all these parts of your life together? I imagine this was kind of like a, like we talked about a mixtape of your life, but there's something, you know, minorly autobiographical about it where you're pulling in all these sides of yourself that have existed and they're coming together in this book. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, that's why the next book that I just finished writing yesterday absolutely stinks because I don't <laughs> have that same passion and excitement. Well, I do, but it is, it's, it's, that book was so much fun to write. You know, it was challenging, you know, the the red tape and whatnot, but that was not work, that book. That book, this book, it was just, it was so much fun to write, like, and to delve back into that world. And I don't want to be in it right now, for sure. It was great in my 20s. Yes. Going to the Grammys, getting free CDs, all those perks are wonderful, but not now. Now I'm too old and, and this is like the perfect platform for me to dive back into the music business, but it it was a, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I bet. I was just telling someone the other day about remembering being part of Columbia music club where I got the nine CDs for a penny or whatever it was. You remember that? I forgot about that. (laughs) I love that. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, man, I remember getting that little catalog and just pouring through it. I mean, that was, that was living right there. See, our, this generation has no idea what we, when we used to hear a song on the radio and used to race, race to get your tape recorder so that you can press record and tape your favorite song. And then we, there was no Shazam. We had no idea who the, uh, the artist was. And you know, what's so funny now also now they have like all the song lyrics and we didn't have that back then. So now all of a sudden I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't know those were the words to that song that I've been singing wrong for the last 20 years. I love right. that you brought that up. It is so true. And also sometimes when they look up the lyrics, I'm like, that is cheating. You have to listen to it 5,000 times and torture yourself. Duh. And, and get it wrong notes. for years. <laughs> oh, I mean, we have so many of those stories in our family. I remember, oh, and- so your son will love what you mentioned. My sister's going to love this. She, Ooh. for a while. What's, what's she, her name? Come on, come on, well, Spill. Her name's Amy. And since I wrote a memoir, she's already in there. And I've, I'm sure, ruined her life in some way. So we'll just continue on. Keep it right, right, keep right. it moving. Right, but right, no, right. we had, I remember this ridiculous conversation about, I think it was a share song that she said, I think it might have been a remake, which was Taxi Taxi. And so she had done that. And my sister was convinced that it was pterodactyl, give me a ride. And I was like, I remember having this huge argument with her. You know, I mean, these were the things that we did in the 90s, just like- It was so easy. Ripping to each other. It was so simple. I did write as one of my questions, what do you think our kids are missing from making a mixtape? First of all, I'll be like a little bit on the cerebral side. I think they're missing. I think they're missing. They're missing the hard work and the determination and they're relying too much today on the instant gratification. So I don't know if I said that the right way, but I think it's instant gratification is just ruining the whole process. Some of the joy and, and, you know, is 
like, oh, I nailed it. I got the song. I made the six eight. Everything flowed perfectly. And you're just so proud of your efforts. Like you're self-sufficient. You're you're doing this. You're not relying on somebody else to do it. And I think that's missing a lot today. And I mean, my goodness, like, I mean, there's so many things that we've been talking about, like the the lyrics and it's... But yeah, I would say that the the instant gratification has muddied the the journey of you know of, of like unearthing that song and those lyrics. I remember. Wait, how about sitting at the tape recorder and hitting stop so you could write down the words and then play and then stop and then I have to rewind it a few beats. I mean, come on, that is just yes. so satisfying to get it all down on page. So satisfying. I remember also uh, calling into the radio station oh, and God. making the request and then waiting to push record so that I could catch it on tape. Like there's so many, I mean, I will say instant gratification is also ruining me. So I don't mean to, you know, put the children in a box here, but like it, okay. it is, there was something about that effort and it was like you were capturing a moment in time, which right. we don't have now because now we have access to it all the time. Right. Look at your power. You had the power to catch that. Mo- now someone else has the power. So yes. yes, it's so true. Oh, I do. Yes, looking back, there are many things, but I do enjoy a good Sono system and pulling it up on my Spotify. For so sure. I do have to say Listen. there are so many wonderful things, right? But I've always said, and so, and one of my older books, somebody's daughter was about a cyber sexual, you know, in a middle school, high school situation, cell phone, digital technology. And I have always, always said that the internet, has, it, it, its greatest strengths are its greatest weaknesses. Yes. I could not agree more. It's so interesting to see that as a parent too, right? Where it's like, there are so many, because my husband and I talk about this often, when he decides that we're going to, you know, throw everyone's phones in the bathtub and stuff. So that's always fun. But it's just one of those things where I said, but look at how connected they are. I mean, they really yeah. do have a lot that that we didn't have. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, I'm trying not to become an old fogey too soon, but it's No, but it's like quick. anything else. With If anything else in life, it's moderation. It's, it's, it's that there has to be a balance. Yes. Let me evaluate my relationship to whatever this is. Yeah. You're exactly right. Let's talk about the book. How do you find your characters? Do they come to you? Do you write to discover them? I mean, what's your process like? Because you're now you've finished eight drafts, you know, seven books and one and one draft. Like what how what's your process? I think it's changed and evolved over time. I think it used to be my characters, they find me. Mm. And then what ends up happening? And then this goes back to that ridiculous question that we all hate, the plotter pantser, you know? Oh, sure. And yeah, so I'm writing a book and I know my character and I know their their journey. I know their goal. But then while I'm writing, they they t- they take me on their journey. Like it starts out where I, I'm in their head and then where I it starts out where I know their story and then they hand over their story. So I, it's interesting because this latest book, the eighth one that I'm writing, it's four point of views. This has been the hardest time I've ever had with characters and they didn't come to me as easily. And it was much harder to write, not knowing upfront 
And it usually, my, my point is usually I have the one pro tag and it's that woman's journey. Yes. And this time it was four separate characters being in their heads, all their individual journeys, who the, the, the big question, who are you rooting for? So it was tricky. It was challenging, but it, there's a little of both. Okay. That sounds interesting. I like the way that you said that, that there, I can kind of see the character, you know, you're sort of summoning them and then they're asking you to tell their story. And so you're watching it unfold even as you're writing it. Yeah. Because as you're, as you're fleshing out your characters, you may have your own personal spin on it. It may have been your own personal, like a little small part of you or someone, you know, but then you're in character on the page and you're, and the character's like, no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. Like I would do this. <laughs> Interesting. I'm wondering if I'll be able to have enough distance. I started working on a novel, but I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, which is perfect for me actually. But I think I wonder about that if I'm, because I, I might be like the tiniest bit of a control freak. I don't know for sure. You'll have to ask my family and they will say for sure I am, but there's such a letting go. There's such a holding you're holding space for this imaginary person almost like it's fascinating to hear you describe it that way. Right. Oh, I really, I respect what people can do and you have done that really here. I also wanted to talk just briefly about there's a real sort of parent child relationship, obviously in this book. And I feel like it relates to that you know, closed doors or missed opportunities or missed connections that happen as a result, not of a choice that we've made, but a choice perhaps that someone has made on our behalf or a choice that they made that had a waterfall effect. When you sit down to write a book like this, do you already have those themes in mind or those do those come up as you explore the character's journey? I think there's a like a global general theme. Like I knew, I knew and I, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. So I knew that Cecilia was going to have this challenging relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. And honestly, and this is to your point, like your last question, I didn't know that big reveal was going okay. to happen. I did not. And as I was reading through the drafts and as I was editing, I felt that where the story went was much more in line with who. Cecilia was and who ultimately Don was and how this story could, you don't want to piss your, I mean, you don't want to have, you don't want to have the most likable characters all the time, but you don't want, you don't want readers leaving and being like, asshole, bitch, like, oh, I didn't like her choices. Well, you know, you kind of, I don't want just the perfect pat ending, but I, I guess the point I'm trying to say is that relationships are so layered and so multifaceted and so, you know, pulling away the layers of the onion and not everything is always as it seems or we Mm -hmm. imagine it to be. So I I like to show those gray areas in those familial relationships. You do an excellent job with that. There is a lot of gray, but there's- And there's a lot of, there's a lot of heaviness and challenge when it comes to family relationships, but I think seeing pieces of redemption for all of us is always, it's always something I look for in books because it just is, it leaves you, you're exactly right. Not everything is tidy or tied up neatly or fixed, but perhaps a small part of it remains hopeful. 
And that can feel so wonderful. Like, I don't know if this makes sense, but Don James, like whatever type of redemption here he may or may not have had, that influenced Cecilia ultimately. Yes. So it could be somebody else's journey that, you know, influences yours and the, the ability to see that no one in our lives is perfect. It's so true. But what about me? Because I feel like I kind of am in my life. Yes. You Everyone are. else is a disaster and I and my, am just doing great. And my <laughs> husband is sitting like across the room and he's laughing and he's saying, I love her. <laughs> oh, best friendship engaged. We already said it. I mean, it's happening. So this is great. Yeah. It's such a challenge to see things honestly. And I think that's such a beauty in your fiction and in fiction in general, but you do a really good job of, of presenting those angles with a soft touch that doesn't feel too oversimplified and also doesn't feel too rigid. Like, Hey, this is a disaster and it's never going to work. Right. So I I go with, I go with safety. I I try to be safe. (laughs) You know, we all need to just sometimes get right down the middle of the fairway, right? There's no, there's no need to be over in the bunker. What is your hope for this book? So this is your, I mean, this is your seventh book. Like each, I'm sure each one is different. And like we've said, this one has a special place in your heart. What's your, what would you love to see when it comes out? Oh, my husband says movie. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes. I mean, I agree with that. And I second that because so much of this translates so well. I mean, it's so funny because that wasn't my answer. You know, a lot of authors are like, they have a very specific goal. I manage expectations. That's how I get through this, this career. I feel like my life is really balanced book and, and family life and I don't let myself get too, my my editor will disagree. I don't let myself get too bogged down, but I just want people to enjoy it. I want them to be transported. I want them to have fun. I want them to remember a song that really influenced them. I, I just, I want them to have that nostalgic moment that we all love when we hear a song that, you know, brings us back to childhood and I guess the word that keeps coming to my mind is I just want everybody to have fun with it because it was so much fun to write. I can't wait for this book to be out. Thanks for being on today and for just sharing this joy with me. I have no doubt that people will have fun with this book because I've had so much fun talking to you about it. I mean, it's just part of what you have created and given in the world. So I can't wait for people to explore it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com